3 John verse 11 says, Beloved, follow not that which is evil, but that which is good. He that doeth good is of God, but he that doeth evil hath not seen God. We've read that verse over and over and over and over and over and over. As we look in verse 13 today, we'll look at verses verses 13 through 14a, the first part of verse 14. He says, I had many things to write. And if you apply that just just at verse 11, I mean, we we have scratched the surface with this entire letter in mind in view of verse 11, that is the center verse of this. And, And this, I mean, multiple messages that are brought from this short little letter. Are there multiple things that can be said from each one of these verses? Absolutely. I had many things to write, but I will not with ink and pen write unto thee. But I trust I shall see thee, and we shall speak face to face. We'll stop there just for the time being. Um, just as a, as, a, as a note of interest, some manuscripts, and even I, when I download these messages to sermon audio, I have the option of picking the book and the chapter and the verse sermon audio even uh, submits the idea that there are 14 verses in in third john and a lot of manuscripts the 15th verse the 15th verse starts with peace be to thee okay so that would be our friends salute thee and greet the greet the friends by name whether you count them as 14 verses or 15 verses it's the same content so just just to, that, so that that is said. Um, but we're only going to go verses 13 through 14a with the, with the title of the message, many, many, many Things to Write. Many Things to Write. So he doesn't say what those many things are, and that's important of itself. He didn't say, I have many things to write on this subject or that subject or whatever. He leaves it open-ended, many things to write. Okay? We could speculate, though we're not going to spend much time in our speculations. Were there other matters that John wanted to address with Gaius that he just simply left out of this letter? That's probably true. Um, You probably, at some point, had some kind of conversation with people and was like, oh, yeah, well, next time I see you, I'll I'll tell you about this. Or when I see you, we'll, we'll go over this, this, and this, or whatever. So were there, were there other matters? We simply don't know. Uh, were there, was he, could he have elaborated on the things that have already been said without question? I mean, this, there, there's something to be said for brevity, right? For, for, for briefness, for shortness. And he said quite a bit in this little letter. Mm-hmm. So could he have elaborated at every point that it, when he said that 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 some had borne witness of his charity before the church in verse 6? Could he have elaborated on that? Absolutely. No, no question. But again, we simply don't know. In verse 10, when he said, Whereas if I come, I will remember his deeds, which he doeth, prating against us with malicious words. Could he have elaborated what those malicious words were? And then try to justify himself or, 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 or clarify some things? Absolutely he could have. And maybe that, that was part of 
the conversation he looked forward to having with Gaius. We simply don't know. Were there church matters? Apparently so. Look at verse 9. I wrote unto the church, but Diotrephes, who loved to have the preeminence among them, receiveth us not. So what was the clarification of this letter in verse 11 tells us that Diotrephes is not a saved person. What was John writing to the church for? I have no idea. Why was he writing to the church? Was it simply a letter of fellowship? We do that sometimes. We'll send a letter or a card or a note to somebody. Hey, love y'all. Here's a, here's, a, here's a picture magnet of us. Hope everything's well in the Lord. Or were there specific things that John needed to go over with the church and diatrophies prevented that? Yeah, it, it, apparently so. There were some church matters, but we don't know what those would be. But whatever, whatever he was writing, what, whatever could have been said more, we can know based on John's style, some reasonable things that we can narrow down, right? Okay, so think about this. The, the word of God is pretty direct, and John was an individual writing to individuals in multiple different letters, right? So the word of God is direct, but probably regardless of what what text we read out of and what subject we is brought up reasonably you can probably come across you, walking in this building you know that the takeaways are going to be trust what god's word says trust god and what do what he says right so reasonably we can come to some conclusions about what john would have been writing about in john chapter 20 he said, these things ever written that you, that you believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and believing he might have life through his name. So be consistent with the gospel. Whatever he, whatever he was going to talk about with, with Gaius would be consistent with the gospel. In yeah. 1 John chapter 5, he was confirming believers in, in their assurance of salvation. And he's done that with, with Gaius as well. Verse 11 does confirm or deny whether those are of the faith. In 2 John, verses 4 through 7, he encouraged the readers there, that local church, the elect lady, to walk in truth, right? This is the command that we walk in it. And now in verse 11 of, the, of 3 John, he's encouraging Gaius to have wisdom and discernment. So if you look across broadly those and apply those very principles to the book of Revelation, which we have not studied yet, Right there, across the page in our Bible, look at Revelation chapter 1, verses 1, 2, and 3. Okay, you have the gospel, assurance of salvation, walking in it, and having discernment. See, see if John is consistent across his writings. The revelation of Jesus Christ, what did he call him? Jehovah is salvation, the Messiah, the anointed one, which God gave unto him to show unto his servants. What's a servant do? What's a servant do? They wait on their master, don't they? Things which must shortly come to pass, and he that signified it by his angel unto John his servant, who bear record of the word of God and the testimony of Jesus Christ. Again, Jehovah is salvation, the anointed one, and of all things that that he say. Well, so okay, so now you have God, you have what God says, and you have what God says to his people. Blessed is he that readeth, and they that hear the words of his prophecy, and keep those things which are written therein, for the time is at hand. That's consistent. You have the gospel, 
You have assurance of salvation. You have the servants of God are to walk in it and to discern those things as the time with all urgency. John is consistent in his writings, isn't he? So, many things to write. Well, we can narrow it down to broadly what John would have been writing about. Would he have been writing, would he have more to say specifically? Would there be other names that were mentioned, other circumstances? Probably so. But we do see broadly, broadly what John may have been talking about. But what we really need to see here, okay, because again, that's all speculation. We know that there were church matters because he wanted to write to the church. And we know what John wrote about in other writings, and he would not write inconsistently or speak inconsistently with those writings. He would not disrupt the gospel. He would not shake up someone's assurance of salvation if they were walking in it, and he would continue to encourage believers to have wisdom and discernment. But the face-to-face deal, that's really important, and that's where we're going to spend the meat of this message. I had many things to write, but I will not with ink and pen write unto thee. But I trust to see. But I trust I shall shortly see thee, and we shall speak face to face. John fully expected to see Gaius face to face, and we don't know if John was going to Gaius. We don't know if Gaius was going to John, or if they had plans to meet up somewhere in the middle. And really, that's irrelevant. What is relevant is they were going to be meeting face to face. It was going to be a an interpersonal interaction there. Okay. We know that it's difficult to catch a meaning at times through through written word. We do we do know that. But we also know that there are some things that are simply not appropriate for letters, emails, text messages, Facebook blasts, and even phone calls at times. Right? Whatever John had to say was more important than than a letter. It was it was important enough that he needed to tell him face to face. I could text my wife, I love you, or tell her face to face looking her in the eye. Yeah. Which one has more meaning? That's right. If you're in if you're in the hospital and I send you a text message or I come visit you, which one has more meaning? Yeah. You know, you see you see the importance there. Has anyone, now I'm going to ask you, if you answer this in the affirmative or in the positive, to put your hands way up, okay? Has anybody ever had a bad experience with somebody having many things to say? Oh, you got many things to say, and instead of talking face-to-face, you put them in an email or a text message or wrote them a long, long, lengthy letter, and it was just a book when it should have been a phone call or, hey, we need to talk. Can, can you meet me somewhere to talk these things out? Yeah. Okay. So we can see how we can learn from this letter for sure. Children of God, it, was, it took a lot of wisdom. And John said, he has said quite a bit in this letter. We know he said quite a bit in this letter. But it takes a lot of wisdom and maturity to know when and how to say something, okay? Check this out. In the, according to some information I read, elements of personal communication. When you're communicating with somebody, 
Did you know an estimated, an estimated percentage of the actual communication, about se- only 7% of it is the words that you say? It's estimated that about 38% of communication is tone of voice. Okay? So if I said, if, if brother, brother Adam said something to me, I said, get out of here. Or if I said, get out of here. Yeah. There's a lot of communication difference there. Yep. Right? <laughs> I mean, he jumped. Right? <laughs> right? 38% tone of voice. So imagine... If John had something to say and he wrote it in the letter, but only seven percent, only set, only seven percent of his words were understood because his tone was misunderstood. Thirty-eight percent. It's estimated that about fifty-five percent, fifty-five percent is body language. Yeah. Okay. So that means an estimated ninety-three percent of all communication is nonverbal or without words. So imagine anytime you've sent a text message or an email or whatever. What does that other person, you might have written that thing with all the love in your heart, but what do they read? That's right. What what do they hear? What message do they receive? And and if somebody sends you one of these things, you got to put that thing down and breathe a second sometimes, right? Oh, man, this needs a phone call. This this needs a personal interaction. And I believe that's what John has in mind. I have many things to tell you, but not with ink and not with pen. I'm going to tell you to your face. Yeah, it's got to be done. It's got to be done face to face. Does that mean everything John had to say with Gaius was going to be uh, hunky-dory and Yahtzee and everything just fine? No, evidently, Gaius being a son... Look in verse 4, I have no greater joy than to hear that my children walk in truth. You know, believe it or not, every conversation I have with my children, it's not always lovey-dovey. Sometimes it's instructive. So Gaius may have been, and, and just again speculating because Gaius was not aware, obviously, of what Diotrephes was doing. Maybe, maybe Gaius was a stout fellow in the faith, but maybe he was still naive as far as reading people. And maybe he needed to be taught some things, but maybe he was also a little on the sensitive side. And if he were to be told some things in in an email or a text message or a letter, he might not have received those things. Again, speculating, but Gaius is a human being too, right? Sometimes it's easier to receive instruction face-to-face than it would be through through a letter or an email or a text message, something like that. You don't, you, so imagine that only 93% of your communication, that only 7% is, is, is words that you say. Some dispute this, so let's say half. Would you want half of your communication to be understood and half of it be taken out of context? I would say no. Specifically, depending on how important this stuff was. Now, if we're talking about, you know, planning our Thanksgiving dinner from from life, you know, those kind of things. Yeah, sure. Take, but something as important as what John is talking about here. No, this needs a face to face. If you want to say something important and potentially controversial, do you want someone 
to only understand or only receive or only uh, perceive your tone between 7 and 50% of the time, meaning that between 93 and 50% of the time they can misunderstand your tone, they can misunderstand your language, they can misunderstand your point of view, and they can misunderstand uh, where you're going with this. And, and rather than being either encouraged or, or educated, that they feel attacked. They can't. They can. If they have questions, that's. Thank you for reading my notes, brother. You can't. You can't get. You can't get interpersonal communication. The benefits of that are so are so wonderful. It, it, they're personal and familiar. You know, this people behave in such a way in the car. They'll do hand gestures. They'll blow the horn. You can see them cussing at you through the window. But if you behave the same way in the post office, they don't—they don't—they they don't do the hand gestures and the cussing at you and all that kind of stuff. Why? Because there's that human element. We understand this. Even the world understands this. The psychology that they've used in bars ever since there's been bars, putting a a mirror behind that is that if someone can see their own face and how they're behaving, that that's a, that's a mental check down saying, okay, you're getting carried away, you're not behaving yourself. They have to look themselves in that mirror. If you have to look somebody in the eye and then tell them what you think, usually that calms everything down. Usually. Also, when there's a face-to-face conversation, it's not you unloading your side and them unloading their side and nobody hearing anything. There's free and open discussion. And as Brother Adam said, if there's a question or clarification, it's right there. Yeah. Um, wait a second. So, wait a second. Did you just say this? Is, is this what you meant? And also, remember, you're, you're seeing body language, you're hearing tone, the words. Raise your hand if you've ever hurt, had to hurt hear things more than once or more than one way before you understood. Right? Yep. That just makes good sense. Explain it. Better. Explain it, yeah. And, and if it... Face-to-face, one may be more willing to receive the information and one, I mean, just as much as my communication through my body language and my tone of voice, I can also look out at y'all and can tell if you're out, you know, if, if, if you're in la-la land or I can tell like, oh yeah, I'm getting this or do I need to say it a different way? You might remember when Brother DeWitt was here, he said, hey, you know, remember that Brother Joey, he has to explain it to however many different people, however many different ways until everybody seems to get it, right? Well, if you're not here and, 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 and I, you know, or if, if I have to write all this stuff down in a letter, that makes it more difficult if I understand, if, you, if I know you know what I'm talking about and vice versa. How fast did this letter carry? I have no idea. Was it the next town over? Was it six months before they were going to, before he'd get a return letter, I have, we have no idea. So it might have just been more convenient, you know. Who's ever been part of a text message or email conversation that lasted days or weeks or months? Anybody ever been part of something like that? Come on, y'all, raise your hands. 
You've been part of arguments or discussions or text messages that last days and weeks and months before. Wouldn't it be easier just to sit down for 20 minutes, an hour, and talk things out? Absolutely. So, less, someone's less, like, less likely, less, I'm not saying it's impossible, but someone's less likely to be, uh, to be feel attacked or less likely to, to, to go on the attack face-to-face compared with a text message or email or Facebook or letter or whatever. But I want you to see something also in Proverbs chapter 27. Proverbs chapter 27 is an amazing verse. And Proverbs 27 verse 17. It's, it's On one hand, it's so plain, it's so blunt. On the other hand, it, can we search it out? Iron sharpeneth iron. Stop right there. Why do you sh- why, why do we sharpen things? Why why do you sharpen your axe, brother Gary? So it'll cut. So it'll cut. You sharpen a tool to make it more fit for the job, don't you? Yep. Iron sharpeneth iron. So a man sharpeneth the countenance. What's that word countenance mean? Face. Sharpen of the countenance of his friend. So, a face-to-face conversation, looking at it through the lens of Proverbs chapter seven, verse twenty-seven, verse seventeen, a face-to-face conversation between Gaius and John may have been a sharpening exercise, so that Gaius would be more properly fit for use as a tool in the hand of the master. Okay. So when you sharpen something, do you leave it as it is, or you gotta you gotta grind away at some of what it is, right? How pleasant is that? So if you got a text message or an email or a letter that it was grinding at you, what did Paul say in 2 Corinthians? I'm sorry I made you to hurt, but I'm not sorry because it had its effect. He knew that in a letter it hurt, right? But here in Proverbs 27, verse 17, you see the benefit of one person face-to-face sharpening or increasing the benefit of another as if they were a tool in the hand of God. Is it comfortable? Not always. Is it appropriate? John thought so. So did Solomon. And both of these letters are in the Word of God. Never dismiss or discredit the beauty of a face-to-face interaction. Okay? If you have a problem, and look, we're human beings. If you ever have a problem with somebody, talk to them. Go talk to them. Please don't write blistering emails and blistering emails. and, and when I say blistering, no doubt on our end, oh yes, this is the most loving thing I could possibly write. But remember, somewhere between 93 and 50% of all written communication, you lose tone and you lose body language and you lose intent. And the receiver of that information may only understand or receive as intended between 7 and 50% of that. 
Never dismiss or discredit the beauty of face-to-face -face interactions. And when I say face-to-face, -face, let's say for a moment that you took away the body language and all you had was words and tone of voice over the phone. That's still not great, but that's a whole lot. I take thirty. I take forty-five percent over seven. Yeah. Pick up the phone. Pick up the phone. Heavy topics deserve face-to-face -face interactions. Yeah. Heavy topics. Right. That. You know, in, in grade school, people would break up with one another. Little boys and girls be dating, and they'd break up and they'd write each other a little note. You know because they're scared or whatever. Heavy topics deserve face-to-face. -face. They really do. Or minimally a phone call. It's so easy to get mad or upset and irritated and then write. That's not biblical. It's not godly. It's not godly behavior. No, so he says, I have many things to write, but I will not with ink and pen write unto thee, but I trust I shall see thee shortly, and we shall speak face to face. That might sound a little stern. What do you think happened, Gaius? Oh, man, what I do? You know what, Lex? You and I need to talk when I get home from work. How does that make you feel? Oh, it make you feel, oh, man, what I do, right? Right? But it's necessary to talk things out face to face. It really is. It could be that he had something, some really great news to tell him. We don't know. Again, going back, it could be some church news. We don't know. We just have, we have no we 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 have we have somewhat of an understanding that there was some church business going on that he needed to talk to him about. If someone, listen, if you get mad and you start writing text messages, that for a while I put it as a rule that it, how, many, how many words was it? If it was more than so many words, don't put it in the group text message. Why? This very stuff. People get mad. They get they get hot-headed. Things get out of control. And people get blistered. And, and it, just, it, it, it can spiral friendships and acquaintances straight out of control. Pick up the phone. And if somebody sends something to you like that, call them. I've done that. Somebody send me a long message. I don't start writing. I'll call them. What's the deal? What's this mean? I'll pull up their message and read it back to them. What, what's this mean? What's this mean? What's this mean? Oh, I was just, I was just, yeah, oh, oh okay. Now that you hear my voice, now, now things start to clear up a little bit. Look down at verse 14. We're not going to study through all the way through 14, but he says, Peace be to thee, tranquility, your soul assured of its tranquil state before God and the gospel of Jesus Christ, regardless of what state it's in, content. Our friends salute thee, greet the friends by name. Calling each other friends, those that are walking in truth, acquaintances, uh, companions in the, in the truth. He's saying, hey, look, we got to talk face to face, friend. See, that, calm, that calms it down. 
But these people are walking in truth, verses 3 and 4. For I rejoice greatly when the brethren came and testified of the truth that is in thee, even as thou walkest in the truth. I have no greater joy than to hear that my children walk in the truth. But look back in verse 3. Did you catch it? When the brethren came and testified of the truth that is in thee. Yeah, face to face. Face to face. Face to face. You know, it's a whole lot easier to tell a fib or to exaggerate your point when you're not face to face. These people now giving a presentation of who Gaius is before the assembly, verse 6, which I've borne witness of thy charity before the church, standing before the assembly, looking the assembly in the face, they told what manner of man Gaius was. That's some heavy duty stuff. Verse 11. Beloved, follow not that which is evil, but that which is good. Well, how are you going to follow them unless you see them, you know? Can you follow me if you don't see me? What, what does that mean? Paul wrote, Paul wrote to the Philippians and to the Corinthians, you have, be followers of me as I follow the Lord. Well, they had seen him. They had seen him face to face. He that doeth good is of God, but he that doeth evil hath not seen God. How do they know if they're doing good or evil or not? You're going to just take their word for it? No, face to face. Friends walking in truth and understanding that who was born of God and who has not seen or experienced God should be glad to see one another. Guess what? Even through conflict. Even through conflict. Because what do we have in common? Right? Children of God, what do we what we have in common is being adopted heirs of God Almighty through Jesus Christ. Look, when these people saw, when Gaius and John saw each other face to face, there was opportunity for both of them. Both of them would have opportunity to grow. John was the, quote, spiritual dad of Gaius. In verse 8, we were therefore ought to receive such that we might be fellow, helper, fellow helpers to the truth. John had learned from Gaius, and we know that from this letter. So when they see each other face to face, they will both learn, both learn and grow in the Lord from one another. That, I believe, is part of the beauty of the local assembly. You can sit at home and listen to messages. You can sit at home and read old Baptist examiners or re read the voice in the... You can sit at home and do all that. So you can sit at home and read the Word of God yourself. But we face-to-face, -face, encouraging one another, provoking one another in love and good works, all of us should be growing every time we meet face-to-face. -face. The beauty of it. Those that forsake the assembling of themselves together forsake God's pattern of worship, but they also are forsaking the, the wonderful and strange opportunity to be sharpened and provoked to the face. They also would both, be, uh, both would hear the other person's perspective. Well, maybe John had some things to say, but maybe John didn't have the whole story. Maybe once Gaius told him the whole story, I said, oh, okay, well, that clarifies it. Yeah. Any questions I had, that, that clarifies it. Maybe John might 
realize, and again, speculation, maybe Diotrephes wasn't a lone wolf in the church. Maybe there's other people that were helping him undermine things. They would both grow. They would both hear the other's perspective. You know what? They would also have the opportunity to respect one another. Right? You ever, you ever sat down with somebody that you didn't agree with, but you still had opportunity to exercise a little respect with them? Maybe that's it. They both would have the opportunity and, and, and desire to further walk in the truth. I believe both of these men wanted to increase in their walk in the Lord. I don't believe either one of these men wanted to fall aside or be counted as a castaway. I don't believe either one of these men. I mean, John said in verse 4, I have no greater joy than to hear that my children walk in the truth. For him to say that, he would desire Gaius to, and because Gaius is not perfect, he would desire Gaius to further walk in the truth. But would he do that with a long, lengthy letter just tearing him down, or would it be better to do it face to face? Yeah. Fellowship. Fellowship, yes. So they both. And John also, maybe there were some things that, that Gaius would say, you know what, well, you, now you're a fellow helper to the truth and you receive these things. There's a couple other things, John, I want to run by you. And maybe John might have said, you know what, you're right. How could I have missed that? There were some things that John wrote in the gospel according to John that maybe he didn't fully understand even, even when he was writing them. You can tell that that's obvious in Revelation chapter 1. When John, after writing the gospel according to John and 1st and 2nd and 3rd John, when he, when he saw the Lord and, and his eyes as a flame of fire and his feet as fine brass, well, now he's got some, in the middle of some candlesticks, and now he's got some stars in his hand, and now. He says, I am he that liveth and was dead, and behold, I am alive forevermore, and have the keys of hell and death. Well, maybe, maybe, maybe John, who walked with the Lord for some three and a half years, maybe he's growing in maturity as well, right? When he starts to write these things down, and we read it just a few minutes ago in Revelation chapter 1, and verse 3, Blessed is he that readeth, and they that hear the words of this prophecy, and keep these things which are written therein, for the time is at hand. What do you see right there that you haven't seen in John's writings before? Oh man, that sounds like he's got a bear on his back, doesn't it? It sounds like he, it sounds like urgency. Like right now, hear these things. Sounds like John has grown a little bit. So both of these men would have opportunity face to face, desiring to walk in truth. They would have both have opportunity to grow. They'd both have opportunity to hear each other's perspective. They'd all both have opportunity to show respect to one another. And they both have opportunity in growing to further walk in the truth and honor the Lord. They would both have opportunity, as it says in verse 11, to follow that which is good and to do good and, and to have that evidence, being of God or born of God, to have that evidence. But as we see in this passage, it is so important John feels like, this. hey, this stuff isn't letter. This stuff isn't text message. This stuff isn't email. We need to talk these things out. So children of God, I would encourage you to exercise wisdom. If you know that something is controversial, 
If you know that something is going, if the person who reads it, if he, that they're going to contend with that information. If you know that, that, that it's not going to be readily received or it's going to be something that is going to involve messages and messages and messages and emails and emails and emails and time and time and time, just pick up the phone or say, hey, look, can, can, you, can you spare a lunch date with me? We really need to talk this over. Yeah. Speak face to face because I'm telling you, Percentage-wise, text messages, emails, letters, Facebook posts, all these things, passive aggressiveness, all that stuff, only about 7% of the words are being truly understood. The rest is lost in tone and body language. Oh, that's just Nelda being Nelda. That's just Adam being Adam. That's just Jill being Jill, Joe being Joe, Debbie being Debbie, Lex being Lex, Gary being Gary. Pick up the phone. Speak face to face. That's what John did. I have many things to write. Man, there's been times I've had a lot of stuff to write. Nah, I'm going to call him. Yeah. No, next time I see him, I'm going to talk this thing out. Man, that's happened so many times. I've had questions, and but because of my love and respect for other people, I'm not going to send them an email. I'm not going to send them a text. I just say, hey, look. Next time we see each other, I got a couple questions for you, okay? All right. That'd be wonderful. That's much that's much better than just out of nowhere, out of left field, getting it getting a text message that takes up four or five pains, you know. You know what I'm talking about? Wisdom. Exercise wisdom. Speak face to face. Now that stuff has its place. Hey, you know, Adam, you wanna come over for supper? Yeah. Okay, that's what, 10 words and one word, right? But Hey, Adam, I, I got something to talk to you about. It's pretty serious. Do you expect me to send you that in a text message? No, the next thing out of my mouth is when or in a whatever. When can we see each other? Yeah. It's wise to exercise that. And we should, again, just desire to see each other as often as we can. It should be good for friends and the Lord to speak face to face. You know, there's been some things that that I've I've wanted to bring up to the body, but I don't do it in a text message. Hey, hey just remind me, y'all. I got, I got a question for y'all. Remind me when we come back to services, or I'll write it down, or try to remember it for the announcements. It's not it's not stuff that we want to just have floating around there because guess what happens? Again, people kind of get a little bit lax, and you can you can misunderstand communication through that stuff. Question, do you desire to be, do you desire for your face or your countenance to be sharpened? It's difficult. So while on one hand you should desire to speak to people face to face, if somebody says, hey Lex, we need to talk, you should say, okay, be open to that. Okay, face to face, that's what we need to do, right? Right? So, sinner, this is a pretty practical message. Sinner, one day you will see the Lord face to face. 
And while it's good that the children of God shall one day see the Lord face to face, that's going to be an amazing thing. We'll drop to our faith. We'll drop down as if dead, as, as John did in Revelation chapter 1. I have a feeling that pattern will maintain that he'll put his hand upon his children and say, fear not. That's wonderful, isn't it? He'll wipe away all those tears. That face-in-face encounter with God Almighty will be so wonderful for a child of God. Think about the Lord saying that. He didn't tell us everything. He gave us his word. He didn't tell us everything. I had many things I could tell you. That's what Jesus Christ said in John chapter 16. I got many things to say, but you won't, you can't comprehend it. Imagine the Lord saying that to us. I have many things to say, but you can't comprehend it. And I'm not going to tell you with ink and with pen, but I trust I shall see you shortly. Boy, ain't that exciting. You will know as you are known, child of God. That's exciting. That is a face-to-face encounter that we should look forward to. There'll be tears. They'll be wiped away. It'll be humbling like nothing else. But face-to-face. Sinner, face-to-face, you'll see the Lord one day too. It talks about Revelation chapter 20, verses 11 through 12. There's a white throne. Him that sat on it, the, the earth fled away. And those that are before that, they will see him face to face. You will see him face to face and be judged according to your works. That's terrifying. There's been times in my life, either from a police officer or my parents or whatever, that I was scared out of my mind to see these people face to face. And they're people, flesh and blood. It should terrify you, the prospect of being called to the face of God Almighty outside the blood of Jesus Christ. For him to have many things that are written, because you'll be judged according to those things that are written in those books. Many things that are written, and to know that shortly you will see him face to face, that, is, that should terrify you. What's the answer? Christ Almighty became sin for his people who knew no sin, that they might be called the, might become the righteousness of God in him. Amen. What's the answer? That while my sins, every one of them, was counted, they were placed upon Jesus Christ. That's the only answer. And first John. Look at this, 1 John chapter 4, we've read this many times, verses 9 and 10. In this was manifested or shown the love of God toward us, who? Sinners. Because that God sent his only begotten son into the world that we might live through him. Herein is love, not that we love God, but that he loved us and sent his son to be the propitiation, the mercy seat, the covering for our sins. Oh, my sins, they were many like the sands of the sea. Every one of them, every one of them accounted for and judged by God Almighty in the person of Jesus Christ. So when you see God, how will it be? 
you will see him face to face. Every knee shall bow to what it says in Philippians chapter 2. How will it be when you see him face to face? Will it be according to the love of God, the mercy of God, the gospel of Jesus Christ, how that he, he, he died for his people and is that covering of sin for his people? Or will you stand alone, and I believe naked, just as Adam and Eve were naked and they were seen in their sinfulness, will you stand alone and naked before the judgment bar of God face to face with many things that are written. I would encourage you to repent. If you stand on your own self and you rely on your own goodness and your own thoughts or whatever, then face to face you will be told, depart from me, I never knew you, ye that work iniquity. You'll be cast alive into the lake of fire and there you'll spend all eternity being judged for those things that are written. Sinner, I encourage you to call upon the Lord for salvation. He alone can save from sin. He alone. Those things that are written can't save you according to your works. Christ alone can save from sin. Be forgiven. Be converted. We studied that just in the book of Acts chapter 4. Just recently, excuse me, chapter 3, verse 19. Repent ye therefore, all your sins are accounted. Repent ye therefore, and be converted, that your sins may be blotted out. When the times of refreshing shall come from the presence of the Lord. Repent. And he shall send Jesus Christ, which was before, which before was preached unto you. You have had Jesus Christ and his gospel preached unto you. Whom the heaven must receive until the times of restitution or repayment of all things, which God has spoken by the mouth of all his holy prophets since the world began. That same message. Repent. Repent. Trust in the Lord. Repent. Behold, the Lord cometh. Enoch, the seventh from Adam, said. Repent, repent, repent. That time of refreshing is coming. The times of restitution are at hand. Repent. Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ. That remission or forgiveness of sins according to his gospel, your sins, forgiveness of your sins, would be had in his gospel. You will see him face to face. Will it be by things that are written about you or things that are written about him? You know what's written about him? Shortly. This is my beloved son in whom I am well pleased. Hear ye him. That's what God Almighty, the Father, said at Transfiguration. You can either face-to-face be well-pleasing unto God in and through only the gospel of Jesus Christ or face-to-face, according to what is written about you, be judged eternally. I encourage you to repent. Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ. And thou shalt be saved. There are many things to say about all things, I suppose. Queen of Sheba said the half hadn't been told about Solomon. And the half of the half of the half 
to the nth degree hasn't been told about the Lord, but we know what we know. We know we're sinners. We know we deserve the judgment. Christ died instead. May the Lord bless the preaching of his word.